Hey everyone, before we jump into what we're gonna talk about today, I wanted to give you a quick update on my wife Donna and her health journey. Um, she's been battling uh, for years the um, autoimmune disease that uh, she's struggling with that we shared with you a few weeks ago, actually uh, a few months ago. And we went away for a couple of weeks for her to begin some specialized treatment at a clinic in the state of Tennessee. And so at the time that most of you are watching this right now and experiencing this, we will be away for round two of that treatment. And uh, so we ask that you pray for us, continue to pray for us. I know so many of you have been and encouraging us and we're so grateful and you've been um, asking how she's doing. So let me let you know that there have been some small measured improvements to a couple of things and we're very encouraged and thankful for that. And at the same time, there are quite a few things that remain unchanged with her health uh, in this chronic illness, autoimmune disease that she's been battling uh, for, for so long now. And some of that they told us to, you know, to kind of expect this is going to be a long haul. So we are hopeful still, we are prayerful still that round two of this treatment at this clinic in Tennessee that specializes um, in the treatment of this autoimmune disease will, um, will yield a next level of her healing and feeling even better, getting back to doing uh, so many of the things that she really wants to be able to do. So thank you. And I uh, just wanted to make sure that everybody was up to speed on that. I want to begin by taking you back a couple of years to a day that um, I remember vividly. I was coming into the office and it was early in the morning and I was coming up the driveway and looked to my left in the field that is in the front of our property at our Kernersville location and saw a big piece of trash. And it was white, so it was easy to see, real easy to see, and it was quite large. I'm not sure how it got there. I'm, I'm quite certain no one walked out there and dropped it. It probably blew in from a storm and the wind and all that kind of stuff. So my immediate reaction was, I, I need to go uh, pick that up. That, that's an eyesore, and it's just trash out there, and we want things to look nice. And so I took my truck and drove through the field because anytime, you know, you've got a truck and you have an opportunity to drive through a field, that's a bonus. So um, I went and picked up the trash. Now, some of you might be going, oh, pastor, you're such a good-hearted man. You're so humble and such a, a servant's heart. Good, good for you. Yeah, you might want to wait on that assessment just a moment. Hold that thought just a second because there's just kind of a backstory that led up to that moment. Um, when I saw the piece of trash, my initial reaction was to go pick it up because that kind of stuff just bothers me, you know, the clutter and, and all the kind of stuff. So, but then I thought, wait a second, let me do a little experiment here and let's see who else notices this piece of trash. So for two days, I think maybe even three days, at least two days, I left it there and came in and out, in and out, just wondering if anybody else on staff, anybody else connected to this great church, especially the staff, because it's the middle of the week and we're the most of the ones here. You know, anybody else gonna see this? Anybody else care enough about the summit to go out and pick that, you know, piece of trash up? Anybody here love Jesus as much as I love Jesus? Yeah. Two days, maybe three days. 
Drove back and forth until I just couldn't handle it anymore. So obviously not. Obviously I'm the only one. So I drove my truck out there, but I waited. I waited. The middle of the day. There was a lot of staff coming and going because I wanted to see if somebody saw me go out there. I was hoping they would see me. I was hoping they would say, what's Pastor Jonathan doing? Bless his heart. He's out there. Stop what he was doing and go to get that piece of trash. Oh my goodness. I should have done that. And I was hoping, hoping that other people would see me doing this. Now, as you well know, that was not humility in a servant's heart that drove me to do that. No, it was pride. Yeah. It was pride. I had an agenda, an angle for, for how I executed that seemingly humble servant's heart act of love and service to the Lord and our community and the field out there by picking up the trash. I tell you all of that, and some of you are going, Pastor, I am so disappointed in you. I, I know, I know. I'm disappointed in me too. Um, but I tell you that, so that you know that what we're gonna talk about in the next few minutes is for me too. Right here with you. Learning, growing, changing, and and being changed by the power of God's spirit. And so we're all in this together as we talk about this thing called humility. And let me just give you the big idea, kinda kinda up front, to let you see where where we're headed. It is quite clear that God looks for and responds to humility. Now, for reasons maybe only God uh, knows to himself that he hasn't really shared with us, but that seems to get God's attention. And it's very clear throughout the scripture, as we will see, that God looks for humility and he responds to humility. Now, we'll define it in a minute, but our culture has gotten this all wrong, way out of whack. Our culture has the wrong idea when it comes to humility. For the most part in our culture, when people think of humility or talk about humility, it's something kind of that, that people kind of hold at arm's length because it's seen as someone putting themselves down, someone who has a low view of self or low self-esteem or low self-image. It's seen as weakness or an inability, as if someone is less than. That's so unfortunate because nothing could be further from the truth to what humility really is. That would explain why in our culture, people go to great lengths to fight off humility with self-promotion. Yeah, you look out, you look out for number one. Don't anybody, don't anybody get in your way. You look out for number one. You, you, you find yourself, you elevate yourself. You, you discover your own truth and live by that. Don't let anybody sway you away from that. You look out for you. You look out for number one. That's kind of the way of the culture. Now, I'm sure there's some well-intended things about some of that, but it's very dangerous. It takes you in a dangerous direction because it, that kind of thinking and that kind of philosophy and that kind of living moves you in a direction that is opposite of humility. And that's a problem because humility is what God looks for in us. And it's what God responds to in us. 
The most simple definition of humility that I can come up with, and there's, there are no doubt are better definitions and, and more accurate definitions, but I like things simple. I like to keep things very simple and straightforward. And so here's a very simple definition of what humility is. Humility is basically, it's not about me. It's just not about me. That's the attitude of humility. That's what humility thinks. That's what humility says. That's how humility lives. It's not about me. And it carries with it this admitting strong and receiving strong dependence on God and other people. That we are not self-sufficient. We have great need in, in many areas of life, in lots of areas of life, we are in need and we are greatly dependent on God to help us, especially God and even other people. It carries with it that, that dependence, that strong dependence. And at the same time, this kind of humility that we're talking about, that it's not about me, brings about a self-awareness kind of like the light bulb coming on and you begin to really see your inability, your own inability to function and live as you should, as you really want to apart from God. Your inability to accomplish, your inability to really experience joy, your inability to live with purpose and meaning apart from God. We are so dependent and so much in need and and the awareness of that, yeah, that's all a part of, this thing called humility. It's one of the most defining characteristics of a follower of Jesus, humility. The reason why humility, this attitude of it's not about me is one of the most defining characteristics of Christianity and following Jesus is because it's one of the most defining characteristics of Jesus. And he displayed it perfectly as we will see in just a little bit. But before we jump into the story, because that's what we're talking about here in this series, the famous stories that Jesus told. Before we jump into that story, I want to share one more little you know, tidbit about humility because I think it kind of answers the question, you know, so why should you care about this, right? If you're still unsure, why is this so important? Recent studies show that there are benefits to humility. Let me just put these up here real quick. They're not going to be up here long. We're going to move on to the story, but benefits of humility. People who choose to live in humility, and just saying, it's not about me, they experience more meaning in life because they're not self-absorbed. Yeah, they have an others-focused reality. And people that do not live self-absorbed lives experience more meaning in life. They also have greater self-control. That was surprising to me, but it makes sense because people who are humble tend to know their limits. They tend to know their place in life and embrace it, and they have more self-control. They're also more generous. They tend to be more generous with their time and energy and money. Yeah, they just don't make it all about themselves. They understand that life, all of life is a gift. Kind of going back to what we talked about last week. All of life is a gift. It's all a grace, and so who am I to be entitled, to be stingy? And so as a result, they have a tendency to be generous people. Here's the other thing. A benefit of humility is that people who are humble face problems and pain better. 
They still have problems. They still have pain. But they, they face it better. They go through it more successfully. And, and, and just think about it. I mean, it makes sense. Because when life is not all about you, then you're not surprised nor nearly as devastated. You're still affected, but not nearly as devastated when things don't go your way. When you face pain and you face problems, it's people that are humble don't live with the attitude of, why me, why me, why me? I mean, in reality, they may have some of those thoughts, but where they end up is, well, why not me? What makes me think I should be exempt? What makes me think I'm so special? People who are humble just handle pain and problems better. So there's so many reasons, so many reasons. There's all of this and the fact that we as followers of Jesus have been called to follow Jesus and Jesus set the standard on humility. And he tells a story that makes this so clear. So clear that humility is what God looks for and it's what God responds to. So let's look at the story that Jesus told and it goes like this. Two men walk into a bar. I mean, wait, wrong, wrong story. That, that was a different story. And Jesus didn't tell that one. But two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. So get this, Pharisee, tax collector. Pharisee, a very religious person, someone that you would expect to see at the temple. If you went to the temple, you would expect to see a Pharisee there. They were the creme de la creme. I mean, they were top-notch, top dogs, top gun when it comes to the religious community. And then there's a tax collector, and they're despised people. They were you know, dishonest. They were seen as untrustworthy kind of people you were very suspect of. You just didn't want to hang out with tax collectors because they worked in cahoots with the Roman government and they cheated people. And so you got a guy that you would expect to see there, a Pharisee, and the tax collector like, what are you doing here at church? Maybe like, it's like you know, when you saw your buddies here, uh, you're just like, you at church? I never thought, yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. So he goes on. Now, the Pharisee stood by himself. Now, he's at, he's at church, their church, right? He's at the temple, and he stands up, and he prays this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people. I mean, what a way to begin a prayer, right? Cheaters, sinners, adulterers, and then he gets specific. I'm certainly not like that tax collector, and, and maybe he pointed. Maybe he gestured. Maybe he just kind of nodded but he's like calling this guy out. I'm certainly not like him. No, I fast twice a week and I give you a 10th of my income and I even drive out in the middle of the field and pick up trash when no one else will. Okay, wait a second. Maybe not that part, but a little too personal. <laughs> I mean, that fasting, that's a good thing. Giving, tithing, you know, that's definitely a good thing. Jesus talked about that and something we should do, have a part of our lives. But this guy was like giving his spiritual resume, right? Out loud kind of thing. I mean, this guy was full of himself. The opposite of humility, pride. And, and, and it stretched, you would call his, his attitude a, a false humility. You know, where it just kind of makes it about you, that draws the attention to yourself. Yeah. Watch, here's a contrast. But the tax collector, the guy that no one would expect to be at church because, man, he's just not, not a stand-up kind of guy. 
He stood at a distance. In other words, he got off by himself somewhere. Didn't want attention drawn to himself. And he dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. In other words, he didn't stand like, oh God, no, it was just like having a moment. He didn't want to draw any spotlight. And instead, he beat his chest in sorrow. In other words, you know, that, this, that feeling, you get that feeling, it's just like, oh, oh God, be merciful to me, for I'm a sinner. So we got the Pharisee in pride saying, oh God, look at me, how great I am. I'm so glad I'm not like everybody else, especially that guy over there. And then that guy over there, having a real clear picture of who he he really was in humility, honest humility. Just cut right to the chase. Oh God, I need your mercy because of who I am, because of what I've done. Saw his need and was straightforward with it. He said, I'm a sinner. Now watch Jesus' conclusion here. Jesus said, I tell you, this sinner, this tax collector, not the Pharisee, not who you thought, not who you would expect, that this sinner returned home justified. The word justified before God, the word justified means made right, connected with God. And then Jesus makes this summary statement. For those who exalt themselves, Pharisee, they will be humbled. In other words, it'll come back around. The story ain't over on him. And those who humble themselves, like the tax collector, the sinner, will be exhausted. Will be exalted. Those who humble themselves. Now, this is very important here to see how God responds to humility. That's what he looks for. It's what gets God's attention. Not self-righteousness, but honest humility. Notice it, it's a choice, too, Notice how Jesus said, those who humble themselves, they make a decision to to say, it's just not about me. I'm not going to make this about me. It's a conscious decision. It's a choice. Humility. I'm always fascinated as as a pastor through the years, being around people when they pray and when they talk about God and spirituality and stuff. And a lot of times, when I'm around, people really, you know, ramp up the God talk kind of thing, you know. And, and, and people pray weird things when a pastor is around. I don't, I don't know what the deal is. Maybe they're trying to impress or, or I don't know. But I can remember hearing people talk like this and especially pray like this. They'll, they'll say things like, oh, God, humble me. And it sounds like an impressive prayer, but I, would, I, I hear a prayer like that. And you're, you're asking God to humble you? I'm like, oh no, I don't know if that's a good idea. What if he does? Like, I want to stop the prayer and go, oh no, 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 back that up, back that up. No, 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 rethink that. What if he does? See, it's so much better. I would so much rather humble myself than have God, the almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, humble me. I may not like being humbled. So much better to make the choice, like Jesus said, to humble yourself. So, you know, you hear this in, hear this a lot in, in worship music too, these songs, you know, oh God, break me. And I'm like, oh, I can't even sing that. Sung by people who probably have never experienced brokenness. I'm like, no, 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 God, help me to humble myself. 
God, help me to bring myself to you in humility because that's what God is looking for. And that's what God responds to. Now, this is not just in the story that Jesus told. I mean, obviously, this is so clear. Pharisee, tax collector, it's a story about you know, pride versus humility and, and God responds to humility. But this humility thing, this is huge. This is a big theme. It's all throughout the Bible, especially all throughout the New Testament. You, you see it time and time again because it's just the intended way of life for Jesus followers because it was the specific way Jesus lived his life. Let me show you. Just give you a snapshot real quick. Paul writes to the Philippians, you must have the same attitude that Jesus had, that Christ Jesus had. Same attitude. Well, what attitude was that? Well, though he was God, he humbled himself. That's the attitude. He humbled himself. So Jesus was God in flesh and bone. And even though he was all that and more, he chose, he made a choice to humble himself. And then Paul goes on to explain. He humbled himself and became a human and then served humanity all the way to the point of humbly giving his life for the sake of the world on the cross as the savior of the world. And we thankfully did, but it's interesting. Paul said, that's the kind of attitude you should have. If you're going to call yourself a Christian, if you're going to call yourself a follower of Jesus, then let this mindset that Jesus had of humility be the mindset and the attitude that you choose as well. Jesus set the standard. He was the example and where to follow it. It's a theme all throughout. Uh, let me show you another one. James, the brother of Jesus, summarizes it like this. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Makes me think about the story we just heard Jesus tell. Like the Pharisee was lifting himself up. And Jesus said, if you lift yourself up, exalt yourself, you will be humbled one way or the other. It's gonna happen. But if you will humble yourself, like the brother of Jesus is talking about here, James, humble yourself. You will be exalted, Jesus said. And James writes, yeah, that, that's true. God will lift you up. God will take care of making sure you get what's coming to you. God will make sure that you are rewarded. God will make sure that the appropriate things come your way. You leave that up to him. You should know your place and I should know my place. And that should bring us to humility. And we leave the rest to God. Let me show you one more. Peter, one of Jesus' closest followers. He said it like this, all of you, all of you clothe yourselves with humility. In other words, put it on like a shirt, put it on like a jacket. You'd make a decision to clothe yourself in humility towards one another. Here's why. God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Chew on that one. God opposes, he resists the proud. Like the Pharisee. You say, well, I would never stand up in church and pray out loud and say, look at me, look at me, look at me. No, I, I get that. That's on an extreme. But we do that in subtle ways and in so many ways. How would you like to think that God, the one you are in desperate need of, was opposing you, was resisting you, 
was looking at you and going, I'm not, no, I'm not helping you with that. We're, we're not gonna play that game. You're on your own. I'm not gonna bless that attitude, that way of living, that outlook. And that's exactly what Peter said God does towards people who are filled with themselves, filled with pride. God opposes, but shows favor. He responds, he's looking for it, and he responds. He shows favor, he leans into those who are humble. So humble yourselves. So because that's true, here we, here we have it again. Jesus said it, James said it, now Peter's saying it. Humble yourselves, quite clear, it's the theme. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up. Look at this, in due time. It's coming. He said, well, I've been waiting and I've been wondering. Can't hold on, just be patient. When the time is right and in the right way, God will make sure everything that's coming to you will come your way. You know your place and leave the rest to God. Humility. Let me, let me bring everything together and, and just put, put it like this. And, and then I want to give you some very, before we're done, I'm going to give you some very practical things that you can do and, and things that you can apply in your life to help you choose humility. Humility is a choice to see it's not about me. And it rhymes to help you remember it. Humility is a choice to see. It's not about me. It's a choice to see. It's not about me. It's a choice to see. And am I going to make that choice to see that it's not about me? And over and over and over and over again, you have to do that because our bent and our drift is towards selfishness. We saw that last week. Our drift and our bent is toward being filled with ourselves. Our drift and our bent is to go Pharisee on the situation and go, hey, 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 what about me? Look at me. But what God looks for is the opposite. And that's what he responds to. And that's what he blesses. It's the choice to say, no, 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 it's not about me. And this is something you have to do over and over again, even throughout the day. Here's the things that'll help though. If you will make a choice to fight entitlement, because it's there, fight entitlement, that, that deserving attitude you have. Well, I've worked hard and I've paid my dues and blah, 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 and I deserve more and I deserve better and I'm waiting to get mine and you fill in the blank. Yeah, it's in you. It's in you more than you might be comfortable admitting. So fight it. Remember what we read? That Jesus was God. So he deserves everything. He's, I mean, he's it. And he chose to humble himself. And we're to have the same attitude. So, so the very one that does deserve and has everything coming to him actually chose to humble himself. Jesus is the only one that actually has a right to be entitled, and yet he chose not to live an entitled life. And we are his followers, right? Fight entitlement. In our world, that's a tough thing because it's all about power and position and authority and self-promotion. And for people like me and you living on, you know, just in common world, it shows up with, this is my rights and I got rights and don't you infringe upon my rights and I know my rights and... It's all about the entitlement to what's coming to us. 
Just being honest with you, it's not about what you deserve. Not really. It's not about what I deserve, no matter how hard you've worked. No matter what you have earned, fight entitlement. Don't make it about you. Like we said last week, there are people who have worked far more and harder than you and have less than you have. Fight entitlement. Secondly, this will help you make the choice to see that it's not about me. See the real me. See the real you. Ask God to help you see the real me. Get really honest about your own struggles. I saw this not long ago and, and I jotted it down in my notes because I was so um, just smitten by this. I, I was just so impressed by this. Paul the Apostle, we read stuff from Paul just like we have today, the Apostle, all, all, all the time because he wrote most of the New Testament in one of the most influential, if not the most influential human being other than Jesus Christ himself uh, in the New Testament and, and since Jesus, um, Paul the Apostle. Th this guy's a heavy hitter, okay? Many would call him the greatest of the apostles, but you know what Paul said about himself? And I wrote this down. Paul said of himself in 1 Corinthians 15, 9, he said, I consider myself the least of the apostles. Paul didn't say, yeah, I'm doing pretty well. I got it going on, I mean, I got to admit. No, he said, I'm the least of the apostles. In Ephesians chapter three, verse eight, he said, I'm the least of all God's people. He said, I know the real me. I know what's on the inside of me, and I'm not all that. He went so far in 1 Timothy 1, 15 to say, I, I consider myself the greatest of all sinners. I'm the worst. Having a healthy self-awareness will help you fight the drift to self-deception. And there is a drift to deceive yourself. And you don't even realize you're doing it. That's why it's dece deceptive, right? But ask God to help you be self-aware, to see the real you. You got more issues than you may want to admit. You need, you are in more need than you may want to admit. Be honest. Take some personal reflection, which leads me to the third thing that'll help you make the choice to see it's not about me. Contemplative prayer. This is a big word right here, right? Not prayer, you know that one, contemplative. It, and let me just explain it. I'm not trying to impress anybody. Because see, prayer is not just about saying words to God or saying words about God. No, there's a whole part of prayer that is meant to be contemplative to contemplate, to think, and consider, and listen, and reflect. Contemplative prayer, not just saying words, but meditating on the reality of where you are in life and who you are. Because it's really hard, when you get a real clear picture of the real you, it's really hard during those times of honest, contemplative prayer, it's really hard to be filled with pride. It's really hard to be filled with yourself in moments of honest, contemplative prayer like that, just like the tax collector who said, oh God, be merciful to me, because I know me, I know the real me. I'm a sinner. 
and I'm in need. So he humbled himself before God. And Jesus said, when he left church that day, he and God were connected. Not this other guy. Yeah, the, the kind of prayer where you sit, you just sit in the moment, in the reality of where you are in life, what's going on in your life, and who you are, and your need for your Savior. To intervene, to strengthen you, to fill you with the power of his spirit, to help you. Yeah. That'll help you make the choice to see. It's not about me. One more. Just put others first. So practical, so simple, but so hard to do a lot of times. I don't know anything else that'll help you choose humility more than serving other people putting their needs before you, putting their desires and wishes before your own, putting their problems before you. I mean, such a big help to help you get to the place where you can make the choice. And there's opportunities all around you all the time. I'm talking about the kind of putting others first that comes with no strings attached. No like, oh yeah, let, let's see if somebody sees me. Let's see if someone, you know, encourages me in return. Let's see if someone applauds me. Let's see if, yeah, no, no, none of that. That's the false humility you want to avoid. It's just the no strings attached, looking for opportunities and moments to put other people, to love them first. Yeah, and, and I'm telling you, that helps keep us in our place. It helps keep me in my place and keep you in your place it helps us make the choice to see it's not about me. And let me remind all of us, it's a hallmark characteristic of Jesus and followers of Jesus. God looks for and responds to humility. God looks for people and looks for the opportunity to respond to people who embrace the attitude that it's just not about me. So what about you? What about us? May we, and by we, I mean me too. May we humble ourselves and leave the rest to God. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you. Thank you once again for getting all up in our spaces in ways that we need. And through a story that Jesus told 2,000 years ago, You are penetrating the reality of where we live right now with clarity and honesty and conviction. So Father, may we humble ourselves. Help me to humble myself. Help me to know it's not about me. and Help me to look to Jesus, the only one that it was about, that it always has been about, and he chose put others first and he set the example help me to follow it at home in my marriage with my children at work 
Help me to pick up trash without thinking about who might see and take note. Help me to just make it not about me. And I, and I ask that same thing for all of us, my brothers and sisters here, because I got a feeling I'm not the only one. That all of us stand in need of the choice to see that it's not about me. Father, help me and help us in Jesus' name. Amen.